Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Hey everyone. This is my first attempt at recording a podcast, so it's not perfect. And to be honest, I'm a little awkward. Luckily, Greg is great at saving the day and telling an amazing story, so I'll let him do most of the talking and try to edit out all the times I said, oh, wow, to every comment he made. Greg Sokolowski and the Houston Mounted Police. Sitting outside, enjoying the weather. Oh, great. Is it nice out there? Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. This is this is our we get about a week of spring, and this is one of those days in that week we get spring. After this, it's, it's summer again. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me. Um, I'm really excited to hear your story because Pete Ramey said that you know you've you've really had a huge impact on the the Houston Mounted Police force out there. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Pete at the. Uh, Pacific Horse Care uh, uh, conference in Reno, and and he and he texted me at night. I was going to bed because he needed to write a book. I said, "Oh, Pete, I, I don't write books. So, you know, you got enough books out there to cover everything we need to cover." And then he stopped me at the conference and said, "Listen, I'm, I'm telling you that that the story needs to be told to horse to horse owners and for the for the good of horses. Because so it's too good of a story to keep it to yourself and not get out." A lot of the stories out there are just a matter of putting the piece together when I've interviewed. And Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I would love to ask you a few questions so that, sure. um, you know, I can kind of hear more about the story because I really only know little bits and pieces. Um, okay. So what prompted you to start pulling shoes or the Houston police force to start pulling the shoes on the horses out there? Well, in 81, I joined the department. They formed the unit in 84. Um, I was one of the 12 selected to go over there. I had no horse experience whatsoever. <laughs> um, they taught me how to ride, and, and I got to be very, very good, very traditional-based riding schools of, of old Calvary methods, how to teach people to ride horses. And and then in the late uh, 90s, they started giving me more responsibility with training horses and and at that time, we're, we were, uh, you know, the good thing with the city is that they, they hold on to the records. So um, I was just seeing a lot of different uh, lameness issues and sickness and, and unhealthy horses. I started asking questions. And, of course, those questions were pushed aside and, uh, and, and not getting the answers. Uh, Darlin Butler-Dial, who's an endurance rider here in the Houston area, was having the same issues with their endurance horses uh, being shod, not uh, finishing races, unhealthy, uh, lameness issues. So she started putting a a, a little uh, plug in my ear about about barefooting horses, and uh, so I sat down uh, with all the records over a period of time, and I started analyzing what we were doing, what we were spending, and and what was the results of a lot of these things that we were doing with shoes and. The results were just were just amazing. Uh, the things that I found in these records. So you can imagine having uh, access to 20 years of records, of hundreds of horses, starting from the day they came in to the day they left to the day they died, and having access to all that information of everything we've ever done to them, and being able to analyze that and be able to get answers right. to my questions. And it was it was a, a very 
And again, they weren't computerized either. These were all paper-based analyzing that I had to do. So it was very time-consuming, but very, very rewarding. And so when you first started pulling shoes, did you choose some horses that were guinea pigs? You know, kind of the experiment ones? Yeah, that's a great question because um, the first few I did were being eliminated, were being retired. So they had already been been marked for retirement because all the things I did with shoes, uh, with the resets, with all the different uh, heart bars and egg bars and stall rest, and they put them back to duty, and they wouldn't take. So I said, let me try. Let me try barefooting those horses. Well, of course, the vet in place at that time said, sure, go ahead. It's not going to change anything, but go ahead and try. Well, little, little did they know it changed miraculously that these horses stayed on duty for another couple of years. Wow. That, that all of a sudden that I got lucky enough to take horses that were badly damaged and get them to continue to work uh, bare, barefoot. From that point on, I was getting all the lame horses that the vets were thinking could not manage their way even pulling the shoes they thought would not make any difference at all to these horses. Well, it did. And that's what helped gain traction for a lot of the, uh, the future horses that, uh, that we were seeing just the drastic changes that horses can go down and work bare. I was really interested in these police horses that were supposed to be retired. So I asked Greg to expand on that a little bit more and tell us about some specific cases that were able to be brought back into work after they pulled their shoes. So, so yeah, so during that time of reviewing all the records that we had, and, and I tell people it's, it's an awesome thing to be able to sit down at one place and to go over the history of, of, of 20 years worth of horses. If everybody could have that and understand the picture they're seeing about what goes right and what goes wrong and what works and what doesn't, I, I think we get out of a lot of these messes. And, uh, one of the big messes that we had been involved with for a long time, and, and uh, you go back and look through the, the, the hundreds of files that I went through and see that navicular was a big, big, big word. I didn't understand it. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have a clear idea of what was going on. Um, so when we were going barefoot, that was one of the big lamest issues that we had that, that took a lot of funding to maintain uh, a lot of time off for horses because part of the healing, if you can call it that, part of the process that they thought was healing was throwing them in stalls and stall rest and, and, and doing that for months, for months upon time, and then gradually set them back out, uh, getting working again until they could go back downtown. Well, if you reviewed the records that I did, it, it never worked. Everybody that was on a navicator process or treatment was... Uh, was still diagnosed, uh, even with different chewings and medicines and stall rest and doing all that. So that was a, a huge chapter in the in in the uh, in what I was finding uh, as far as lameness with our horses. So so Navicular got to be a very very big deal for us. And Joey was one of those horses that had been through the process. Um, if you go back and look through Yvonne Wells, uh, thehorseshoof.com, one of the very first articles I did. Uh, shows uh, pictures of Joey's hooves and the condition that it was in and what we did to get him through that uh, process. But, but uh, you know, he was given to me after I had asked that, okay, now that you're done with Joey, and he was one of our top-notch police horses. I believe at that time he was 14 or 15, so still not very old. 
uh, in very good shape and probably one of the one of the best police horses that we have ever had. And they were going to get rid of him and go ahead and retire him because they could not get him from being lame and being able to work on the streets. So when that diagnosis was finally uh, given that he's going to be retired, I talked to the vet and said, hey, listen, why don't I just try this? Why don't I just try pulling his shoes and see if I could get this different than what we had? So what have you got to lose? He's going to be retired anyway. I and, and in the back of his mind, it was, okay, sure, it's not going to help, but if you want to waste your time doing this, go ahead and do it. Well, we did it, and, and it was a huge turnaround for him. And, of course, uh, that was one of the horses that Pete Ramey uh, had seen uh, when he uh, was at our, at the clinic that, that he presented. Uh, but he was one of the ones that looked at him uh, and, and diagnosed better boots for him, was able to go to easy care and start us into the better boot process, too. So in, in, in one thing that Joey did was the navicular thing, but the other thing that did was get Pete out there, and the other thing that did was get joey into better easy care boot products that that uh that uh, pete was able to secure for us so that was a huge turning point for us and he was able to go back out and work for a couple more years uh that's how much of a difference it was and i mean and be comfortable doing it and not be uncomfortable yeah that's amazing that was a a huge change for us yeah it is yeah a big big and the other thing was with all the fence sitters and all the naysayers and all the people pointing fingers that it wasn't going to work. Um, and even, I think, I think I kept a copy of his diagnosis from Texas A&M uh, that they flat said on the diagnosis that barefoot would never work for this horse. So, um, uh, you know, I had to go against the grain. I had to, I had to, and, and again, their thinking was he'll never do it. It's a bad horse and a bad situation that he'll never cure. And we got him into a way better situation. We take a look at the horseshoof.com. Uh, and see the article and see the pictures of his feet, you'll see exactly why his feet or his lameness issues were there. Um, you know, it was uh, uh, amazing the, the changes that, that came. And he was a big game changer. He was one of the horses that all of a sudden people got on board with and said, okay, we we starting to get this. We're starting to see the changes and we're starting to understand what's going on with our police horses. Big, big, big deal. And you had mentioned uh, that there were a handful of horses that were going to be retired, right? That you ended up being able to put back into service? Yes. We had never gotten to the point where they said, okay, we're going to retire this. What had happened was we're seeing a lot of the, and it was chronic. There were chronic problems running through our barn. So once Joey was turned around, then all of a sudden I was getting the more chronic cases, the cases that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't change. That they they're out of different shoeings, and and uh, they would give them to me when they were through that process, but not at the point of retirement. What they would say is, "Okay, we've done all this again. You try the barefoot stuff now." And 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 generally, I was very successful in getting, uh, you know, being able to take off the shoes um, and putting their feet. Uh, getting their feet corrected and, and doing some different things with the dice and stuff like that. So it was, uh, yes, Joey was a game changer for his not being retired, but uh, there were still plenty more being diagnosed that were given to me with that diagnosis that I helped uh, keep them in service for a longer period of time because of, of pulling their shoes and going barefoot. And what kind of issues did those horses have? You were talking about their chronic issues. What kind of issues did you yes. notice? Uh, the, 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 uh, the lameness issues, just constant lameness issues. It was, um, 
and you know, and, and they would go out, yeah, they're lame, um, not understand what was going on, take x-rays or radiographs and be able to see maybe some things going on. But it was constant. We'd go down for two days of, of uh, service or going downtown for two days, and then they're off for three days. Put them on Butte, put them back into service, um, get a few more days out of them, be back on Butte again. So these chronic ones were the ones that were given to me. So those are the ones that were that I uh, that I that I went for that I went for these horses because I thought I could do a lot more good for them uh, getting these horses. And then eventually it led into the decisions of not even uh, putting shoes on horses. Eventually these horses were returned to service and not having to put them on butte and getting five days a week out of them and getting a lot more longevity out of them. So, uh, but it all started with lameness di- di- diagnosis, uh, not being able to do five full days downtown or being on a, um, uh, a lot of butte, either butte powder or butte shots. Uh, that was, that was, that was given to us a lot, uh, giving, giving them butte. Yeah. I mean, that's just so encouraging to hear stories like that. And I think that that will really resonate with a lot of people who are struggling with chronic lameness or chronic hoof issues, you know, and I mean, chronic, it was, we used to go through cases of butte. Wow. We used to get butte shots and and butte powder constantly. That was our way into keeping them in the service, um, was to, to put them on butte. That was, that was one of the, that was one of the normal things that we did. We never looked beyond that. You know what I mean? If they were hurting a little lame, the vet says, okay, give them butte. That was one of the ways that we kept them in service was uh, was give them more medicine uh, to keep them uh, from being out of the pain that they were in. That was uh, that was a regular deal that we did. And now they very rarely give butte. And so you had um, your own personal horse that you also took barefoot too, right? Is that um, Was that horse also part of the mounted police? Yeah, so we, we in, in the process of, 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 of getting things changed, one of the things that we didn't do, we never took a younger horses in. They always had to be five or older, and we had access to a, a good two-year-old Dutch warm blood who's shadow, and I was allowed to bring him in and to start him. And, and my argument to them was that you know, here's a horse that we can get going at four and five years of age who can, who can work healthy for 15 years, and he's still there. He's still there working. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, healthy, uh, no lameness issues. And uh, so uh, he's never had a shoe on on his hoof. So so that's how I, I not only pulled shoes on, on the ones that were that needed to be pulled, but also starting him on the barefoot journey where he's never had shoes on in his life. So that started in 2002, he was brought in, and he's still there today. What, what the biggest telltale signs for me is when I took Shadow downtown for the 2004 Super Bowl. We're working 14-hour days. It was raining. It was cold. And he had the best traction on his bare feet. So it does. You know, you look at his movement compared to the shot horses I was on. They'd have to slip before they realized they were slipping. Shadow had such good balance and, and traction on his bare foot. It was un- And I was being looked at. You know, that was the first big event that I worked Shadow with and being barefoot. And uh, 14 hour days, people were looking to see and we were running up and down streets and, and people could not believe how much better the traction was. And some of the feedback we got from officers after we pulled their shoes was exactly that, how much better their horse felt underneath them. So let me just pause here for a minute. As a hoof care provider myself, I always say to never make decisions on your horse's hoof care based on finances. 
But one thing I found really interesting when talking to Greg was how much money the Houston Mounted Police Department saved when they decided to pull shoes on the horses. And not just on hoof care costs, but they saved on vet bills too. What you said that you noticed a difference in in vet bills and cost. Can you talk a little oh. bit more about that? Oh my gosh. The, uh, you know, one of the, and I, I, you know, I tell people I didn't do it to save money. That wasn't my angle at all that, uh, I didn't want to go in and push the angle of saving the city money because that's not why I did it. I did it because there were a lot of unhealthy things going on with their horses and not only the, the shoeing product, but colics and, and skin diseases and sickness and stuff like that. So, um, at a certain level of the command staff, of course, money's a big deal to them. And what they started finding out with the changes in the hoof care we were providing, along with getting better, uh, better nutrition into them, having, uh, you know, better movement, uh, doing better, healthier things to them, we were saving. Uh, between the vet and the ferry, we were spending at a 40-horse at a barn, we were spending about $150,000 a year. This is back in 2000. Uh, to 2006, 2007, we were spending it. About 2006 and 7, we started pulling a lot of shoes off of horses. And at a certain level of your administration, they asked, why can't we pull all the shoes? Because we're saving an exorbitant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we just couldn't do that. We couldn't go into it uh, knowing some of the unhealthy things we had with our horses. We had to take our time doing it. But but that's that's another angle that helped me out tremendously was understanding that in the management part of it, there were people looking at the cost savings and, and we were, and from that point on, after we got all the shoes pulled, we were spending about 40, 40, 40 to $50,000 a year on, on the overall health care of our horses. Whereas before we're spending 150 to $200,000 a year. Oh, wow. On our horses. That is so a huge it, difference. It's huge. It's tremendous. It is tremendous difference. And that's why we'll never go back. That's why, with those numbers and the healthier horses that we have, there's no reason to even look to go back to different diets and shoeing and doing that stuff. So, so that it, was a big, big plus. Oh, definitely. And were people worried? I know that I've heard this too, as somebody who's, you know, tr- a, a trimmer myself, uh, are, were people worried that their feet were going to wear down too much? I know that, do you use, or did they use boots on some of the horses too, in some of their work? Well, remember, uh, it was it, it was probably done backwards. We bet Pete, I believe, a uh, a, uh, a good supporter of us, uh, Lynn Swearingen, uh, hosted Pete in the Houston area when she lived here and had him do his clinic here in Houston. I believe it was 2004, 2005. And Pete came in, of course, the first thing he threw at us was diets and how right. important it was. We hadn't changed diet. We were pulling shoes off of very, very weak hoof-walled horses. And the good thing, I had the uh, uh, people that also supported us. I don't know if you remember Hoof Wings. They were one of the first boots that we had used and were given to us in support of taking horses barefoot. And then Garrett Ford came into play with uh, with Pete, uh, giving us boots uh, to have him play while we transitioned horses into it. So, of course, the vet and farrier, all they threatened was you're going to wear their hooves down. It's, it's not healthy for them. It's... Uh, it's all the typical things that you've heard that I right. heard for a long time until we finally, uh, we kind of got rid of that, uh, of those people out of the system and we didn't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, that's great. And so you do the mineral balancing or, you know, yes. making yes. sure there's a forage based diet and forage based uh, diet. There's no, 
uh, oats, barley. Uh, I think they experimented with some of the lower carb. Uh, remember, we have to feed 40 horses and only one or two people doing it. So right. it has to be a balance between uh, feeding and feeding correctly and feeding with the amount of personnel that they have to feed. So, um, but it was when I left there, it was oats at a very, very minimum. Uh, but with a mineral balance in them and all the hay that they could eat. So that was uh, that was a diet one when I left. Oh, that's great. And yep. were there officers that were resistant at first when? Oh, many. It was. It, it it really it really struck me that um, that that all the things that I were finding out about how damaged our horses were, and how sick and lame some of these horses were. And when I stood up to say, I'd like to try to change this, that uh, there's very, very little support until it got going, until there are a lot of fence sitters, people that just sat back and waited for the results, what was going on. And I don't really blame them because I didn't know what was going on. Uh, all I knew was that vet and furry were dead against it. Uh, they complained to the chief. They complained to the SPCA. Um, they, they, they were dead against what, what we were doing to get this program in place. And, and the other officers which, that were, you know, were very uh, friends with the vet and farrier kind of sat back and waited for, for the results. But once we started going and once one or two officers got on board, then it really started taking off. But it, it did take a while to get the foundation in place for people to, to come on board that, that what we were doing was the correct thing. Because they all kind of thought the same thing I did when I went downtown for the first time. Do I need to be on a horse that doesn't have anything on his feet? And once I did, it convinced me that, yes, this is the way to go. Because their traction and feel were so much better. But it's hard to convince, it's hard for me to tell people that until they get on the horse and realize for themselves what they were feeling and saying. Oh, there was a lot of pushback early on, but eventually um, we got people on board. And we also got officers to, to go to trimming school and, and to become trimmers too. Oh, wow. So you have basically a whole police force that's, that's pro barefoot. Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you hope, but there's always, there's always the old cowboy <laughs> in your system that, that will never believe that a horse can go without, without having metal shoes on his feet. So, yeah. um, but, but it is, it is a very, I walked in a few weeks ago and two of the officers, they were trimming and we went over what they were doing and the hooves looked, looked awesome. So they had sent two officers to barefoot school and, um, uh, they're doing a great job. So uh, it, it's still moving forward. It's still in a very, very good, good place. That's great. Though Greg didn't directly say it, I strongly believe one reason these horses are doing so well, in addition to the diet changes, is movement. They're out there working and moving daily, getting stimulation for those frogs and digital cushions and building up strength. I think that's something that a lot of horses that we see now are lacking in. They're just not moving a lot and a lot of times they need that in order for their feet to get healthier. Are you still a police officer? No, I retired in 2017. You said that you do trim? Yes. Awesome. So it, it carried me into trimming the police horses into the, the field with trimming other horses because of the need for people and uh, getting uh, getting things straight with their horses. So yeah, it, it's, it's it definitely branched out into into the business side of it now that I, uh, that I do trim on the side now. Yes. Okay. So then you weren't always a trimmer or a hoof care provider. No. So well, okay. it, it started, that's the journey started with, 
with the uh, questions around the year 2000 about what was going on with the horses, and it, it morphed into them sending me to hook summoning school. And in about two 2002, and then from 2002 till currently, uh, that's what I've been trimming. Yeah. So you're trimming basically full time now. Yes. Yeah. I didn't. I. I I didn't want it to go this way, but it, but it's it's, it's gotten into a, a, a full-time deal. Today was, was an all-day all trim day, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your hoof care philosophy, like how you feel about, um, you know, what's involved in keeping horses' feet healthy and and your approach to trimming? Yeah, uh, the you know, it's, it's morphed a lot of times uh, dealing with police horses and since starting pulling shoes back in about, 2002 um you know to when i retired out of there in 2017 where all the horses are bare barefoot it, it's gotten to the point that that i need uh what i search for what i what i try to give my uh my horse owners is is the need for a healthy hoof and and that's what i want to trim are healthy hooves yeah. on healthy horses and uh that's that's the educational part i try to give back to people to understand that how to get that healthy horse and healthy hoof so the trimming becomes very, very easy for me. So, uh, uh, you know, it's still a learning curve for me. I, I, I go to conferences every year and try to pick up something different or something better that I'm doing or not doing and, and try to put that in, in, in the play when I go out there and trim. So uh, one of the big, you know, changes for me right now is breakover, getting breakover in a better position. So that's made a world of difference in a lot of horses. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a big big change for me, and it's it's made uh, you know it's a, a very good step in the right direction for me. Uh, so that that's a big change. Uh, you know, that's one of the changes. So that's it's I, I need a healthy hoof, and when I get healthy feet, then trimming is very 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 easy. When when I get uh, people to have healthy horses and and trimming healthy feet, healthy yeah. hooves. And in your area now, because of these horses, have you noticed more owners are more open to barefoot or is it still a more traditionally shod area in Houston? Well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think the disappointing thing is that there are still a lot of departments out there that are still showing uh, horses. I, I, I believe now that, that the shoes, the metal shoes are obsolete. There's no way that uh, you can argue protection that you hoist, hoist a metal shoe and you put up a, a, a good hoof boot that um, that you can compare what real protection is, and it's just sad to see. So I think if I use the uh, the area of other mounted units, it's still a closed door society. That um, that you come into this with a closed mind and a closed door, it's very difficult to open it up. And we are so successful in it that we go out every day and we travel five six hours a day sometimes longer depending on, on the event and seeing that horses do this every day work barefoot and if it is a long assignment or a transition deal we do put boots on as protection as needed and we have that in place but it's it is it is a disappointment to see that there are still people out there that will not do this just for the simple fact that's all they've done all their life and that's all, all they're going to do so do i have clients yes i have a lot of clients <laughs> that will never go back to metal shoes again Yes. That's but is it everybody? No. No, it's not. It's still, I think Pete tried to think it's the next generation that we have to wait for the next giant leap for people to come on board with. But you walk in our barn, it's a very natural 
barefoot environment when you walk walk in there. I, I don't know how to sell it any different than walking to our barn and to see healthy 40 horses in our barn, seeing them work every day and go out there and do this. But you see Nashville is all uh, uh, barefoot. You see Vegas is all barefoot. So there are units out there that have, that have climbed the rope and, and been very successful doing it. Right after Greg talked about some mounted police units that had success going to barefoot, he transitioned into mentioning why some people might struggle or why their horses might struggle when they first pull shoes and why they might be tempted to put shoes back on right away. Their deal is, okay, we'll pull the shoes on unhealthy hooves and put them out there barefoot. And of course, the horse is going to walk back very, very lame because they don't have hoof structures in place. And if you don't go through a transition period and an education period of teaching people what to expect, it's going to be a long, difficult road, and they're going to go back to put the shoes on the horses. So that's just a sad thing to see. Yeah. There are a lot of factors to consider when taking horses barefoot, and one of them is commitment. Commitment from the owner and the hoof care provider to educate themselves on what affects hoof health, whether it's nutrition, environment, etc., I think that is one reason why Greg was so successful with these horses. He never stopped educating himself and in turn educating others on hoof care. Big deal is I would be in the barn trimming uh, police horses and we have visitors every day from 12 to 2. The general public can walk in our barn and feed our horses and look at them and ask questions. And I'd be trimming and said, oh, you're putting horseshoes on. I said, no, I'm trimming their hooves. And they look at me stunned. They go, you mean your horse don't wear shoes? I said, no. I said, I know. That's what we've grown up to believe, that all horses wear horseshoes. But I said, but here, they don't need it. We have very healthy hooves, and once the hooves are healthy, they're very good at protecting uh, the horses. And once they understand that, they go, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. But you see what you're up against. Just the the way people have portrayed horses for as long as we can remember of always having horseshoes on them. And it, it does. It takes a lot of education to get people's mind to step back a minute to think about what we're doing. And once they get that in place, they go, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it does. It makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, definitely. Well, I'm really hoping, I mean, part of the reason I wanted to start this podcast idea is to sort of get information out there and and interview sure. people all over the country or hopefully, you know, out of the country to see the success that people are having with it in different avenues. Um, well, so. I tell people to please, if you're ever in Houston, please go buy the mounted unit. Um, call me. I can I can get you in there. I can get you a tour. I can get you behind the scenes. I can let you meet the officers that are there that are doing the trimming. It is a uh, it is a non closed barn. We we invite people in every day, um, twelve to two. There's hundreds of people that walk through and see uh, for themselves that our horses do not have shoes. And and of course, there's always somebody out there throwing out the well. They went back to shoes. Well, no, we haven't. Uh, we, we never will. There's no need for them. So, but like you said, how do you get that out there? Well, the podcast would be an excellent idea for people to start to see that there are many more successes out there, not only with the Houston Police Department, but other units too. Nashville's very successful. Vegas is very successful. So there's a lot of units out there that are very successful in doing this. But knowing what we know now, we know darn well we're, what, what, what a healthy horse and what healthy hooves look like and what horses need to get there. And it's very difficult to change people and their attitudes and their, and they're very biased. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way because we're all have a biasness in us and we've all been there too. So it's hard to change that in people. It's very, very difficult to do. 
but we have, and it's changed, and it's uh, it's a great place for horses. Well, that's great. Um, so before we we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to mention in terms of closing remarks or any encouragement for those who are either considering barefoot or um, struggling with their own horse's soundness issues or hoof care in general? Yes, that the uh, that as far as trimmers go, that the um, that I, I make it a point to, to make conferences every year, either the ECIR, um, which is the, um, uh, the equine cushions and insulin resistant group. They have a conference every two years. I make it a point to go to that. And then, uh, Pacific horse care, uh, there's a great conference. They did their first conference in Reno. I went to that for the first time and just, it was a wealth of knowledge. So to keep up with with um with people it's a great great way of doing it there's a stay out there's a trimmer is just don't get bogged down with doing the same thing attend conferences every year um the the best selling point for me is a healthy horse and the best selling point for me to point to people is the houston police department and their healthy horses is to understand that um you know uh that's that's the greatest thing that i can show people is the amount of money we're saving but also how healthy and working our police horses are. And, and that's, that's the way that I sell it to people. And, uh, and it does, it gets very frustrating talking to some people, as you know, you're in a barn full of them that yeah. it's, it's very difficult sometimes, but, but it doesn't discourage you that you you that you continue on. And that's what it was for me. It does get very, very discouraging to walk in the barn full of police officers, knowing darn well, you're not on the same page with them. And you're, you're doing a, uh, you're doing a job that you need many people involved with, but you have to take it upon yourself to do it by, by yourself. And, and it is, it's very worthwhile to go out there and find the keys that evolve to find these success stories. And it's, it, and like I said, shadow was still there. He is, he is born in 2019 years old. He's been doing this job for 15 years, two Super Bowls, and he's still going strong. If that ain't a, a, a and you know, for let people know that 19 is not an old horse, right? 19, is still going out there and doing his job and still healthy enough to do his job and never had a shoe on his foot. So, you know, I, I just tell people, don't get discouraged. Just keep moving forward. Keep learning. Keep going out there and educating yourself. And we have to be the ones that go out there and educate the, the people on what they need to know about their horses. It's very, very important. I mentor a lot of young people. Uh, I, I just think it's very, very important that I go out there and give what I have to other people to take into the field as the next step. So I mentor a lot of people for free. I do it oh, for free. Oh, that's great. So. Well, I that's personally am and so thankful that you're willing to share your story and answer all these questions and uh, be sort of, uh, you know, my guinea pig in this. And our, this is our first, you know, time recording an interview. Sure. So, And please give people my contact information, my email or even my cell phone, because I think that's, that's important, too, that they're able to reach out to me to be able to contact me. But they can find me on Facebook, too. So that's, that's not, it's not difficult to find me. Oh, definitely. Okay, I'll add that, too, on, um, in the info section for the podcast so that hopefully sure. people can reach out to you. Yes, yes. Right. Well, thank that's you so cool. much for your time. I know it's getting a what little a great bit idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea you have. I, I, I'm, you know, that's that's what's needed. Uh, you know, reach out to as many successful people as you can because there is. People will be very, very surprised at how successful people are with healthier horses. 
So hopefully more good stories. Uh, hopefully I've started something or you've started something. Hopefully I've helped you start that. So Yeah, thank you so much. I think you've been a huge help sure. and I can't wait to um, see this put together and I'll send it to you and sure. and uh, you can let me know what you think. Thank you and <laughs> stay in contact too. I will. Thank you. Have a great night. We'll see you. <laughs> Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof-obsessed than the average person, and chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too, so we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com. 